Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday. I mean, I mean, we had enough news for uh, for this week. Uh, I think we had double coupons. I think we did. And by the way, I just want to say I am so happy to hear uh, that two Americans have been released from Hamas. It's a mother and daughter. Uh, and they are now in Israeli hands. They are free. We're going to be talking, John, uh, shortly to the spokesperson at the Israeli consulate in New York about this enormous, enormous news. And in the studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Ed Cox and, and Governor uh, David uh, Patterson. And uh, uh, and we were all at uh, Cardinal Dolan's uh, 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 big Al Smith dinner last Yeah, night. that's right. It was right. a record number for a non-presidential year. It was a record number. Yeah. And I tell you, it was a beautiful dinner. Kissinger was there. How Kissinger cool is that? Kissinger was the speaker at 100 years old. No, 100 and a half almost. Excuse me, 100 and a half. <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody. And uh, John Rosenwald uh, introduced, uh, uh, and he's 93 and a half. Uh, Cindy Adams was there, and I won't tell you her age. <laughs> Very and, gracious uh, of you, John. I feel like a baby. <laughs> I feel like an infant now. In fact, in fact you are. Mentally, I, yes. Rita, I just got a text. Uh, call John Solomon. Uh, it got some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news, the founder of Just the News, the great investigative journalist, John Solomon. John, some big developments on the House Speaker front. You are not kidding. Uh, the number of people running for speaker is going up faster than the deficit right now. We have at least five people entering the race in the last half hour. Byron Donalds of Florida, young uh, rising star of the Republican Party, but only a few years in Congress. Congressman Austin Scott has gotten in. Tom Emmer, the number three official in uh, the current House leadership, is in, as is Kevin Hearn, the number four or excuse me, number five official in the House uh, leadership currently. Uh, it's going to be a free for all by noon Sunday. There'll be a decision, uh, to have a vote to find out which one becomes the nominee. Then they will take it to the floor. And the truth of the matter is there is nobody right now, at least based on the current headcounts close to getting to 217. This mad scramble that I'm talking about, which has literally been playing out in the last hour happened just a few hours after Jim Jordan, after his third failed attempt to become speaker withdrew and was voted off the ballot. Uh, by 113 colleagues. So he's going back to be the House Judiciary Committee and focus on impeachment with Joe Biden. Uh, But you're going to see a carousel of names come in and out. And uh, the truth of the matter is this isn't going to get resolved until some lingering emotional and anger issues are really addressed. There is a level of vitriol in the Capitol I haven't seen in my 35 years in this town. There are petty differences and large differences, and they're now playing out almost like a high school prom click. It's going to take some time for this to work itself out. Oh, my God, John, it sounds like they need more a psychologist, John Katsimatidis. Back crazy. to the hill. It's crazy. <laughs> At the end of the day, my prediction is that Kevin McCarthy is going to make a big comeback, and that's just my personal prediction. I think that is a very real possibility. These are the two things I would watch for after the Alamo smoke clears from this latest round. Uh, I think you could see an effort to go outside the caucus to Lee Zeldin, who is well-respected and, of course, fared very well in New York last year. 
And then I think if that fails, uh, we come back to where we started, which is Kevin McCarthy sits down with the eight rebels and works out whatever issues they have until they're exhausted. And then you might see Kevin McCarthy come back. I think that's a very real possibility. But a lot of history between those two points is probably going to play out, John. Yeah, absolutely. And John Solomon, uh, another huge scoop. This just coming out. What a news day. Uh, Joe Biden got $200,000 from his brother. And this is sort of the first connection of him benefiting right from his family's business. Explain this big one. First, let's remind everybody what Joe Biden, the president, said when he was running to get the job. He lied to us again in this job interview. We've gone through some earlier mistruths that he told the American people from the laptop to not having contact with his son's business. But he said, listen, I never benefited from my family's business. I wasn't involved. I didn't get money from it. He was very clear about that. Well, today, Joe, uh, Joe Biden has a copy of his check that he received from his brother, James, in March of 2018, March 1st, 2018. Now, at the time, in fairness, Joe Biden wasn't in office. It was between being VP and president. But still, his brother gets a $200,000 wire that day from, by the way, a failing healthcare company, a company that would eventually have a bankruptcy issues. Uh, and as soon as the money comes into his account, it turns right around and goes into Joe Biden's account, 200000 in, 200000 out. Now, what was James Biden selling to uh, this hospital company, this rural uh, healthcare company that was in financial trouble? He was selling access. The, the, uh, the company's own documents and its bankruptcy filing said James Biden told us he could use his name, i.e. the Biden name, to help us open up some business there overseas. So another example of overseas um, selling of the name, trying to turn in. But this is the first time any significant amount of money has uh, been shown to go directly into Joe Biden's accounts after it came in to one of his family's members, the son or the brother. Uh, I, a huge revelation on a Friday of a very busy week. But well, John uh, we're Solomon. going to see a lot more of this. Thank you for the breaking news, and uh, we'll see where it, where it takes us if uh, if the, if it has any sticking power. Yeah, this is getting interesting, John. Thank you so much. Well, I'm sure we'll talk with you next week. Breaking news: WABC. Well, more breaking news coming in uh, from CNBC now. The judge that threatened to put Donald Trump, President Trump, into jail for violating the gag order has issued him a five thousand dollar fine for violation of threatening him with jail time. Uh, there, and let's see if they end up doing the jail time. Well, joining us now to talk about, of course, the huge news that is related uh, to Israel. As we're getting word, two American hostages released by Hamas. We're also getting word that they were relatives of Martin Fletcher, who I know at NBC. I used to work with Martin. Um, and he is one of NBC's long-term Middle East correspondents, mother-daughter team that are now in the hands of the Israeli forces and are safe and sound. A uh, huge news today. Joining us is the spokesperson of the New York consulate, uh, from Israel, uh, Ite Milner. Ite, uh, first off, your reaction and Israel's reaction. What great news to hear, at least that two of them are free. Yes, certainly um, a ray of light in a very, very dark time. Um, people in Israel are reacting. Uh, they're exhilarating from uh, from hearing the news and seeing the picture of uh, the mother and daughter um, being um, uh, quartered with, uh, with Gal Hirsch, who is the special envoy for, uh, for hostages, the chief negotiator. Um, this is... Um, this is uh, great news, but um, we still have uh, more than 200 hostages uh, kept there. So uh, 
it's uh it's a good sign but um definitely uh not enough do you know any of the details of of sort of how they got out um we know that they were taken to idf and what flown into a base do you know sort of any of that um what i know is that um it was a deal that was uh, brokered by uh by qatar who um has the offices of Hamas, uh, hosting Hamas over there. Um, it, um, it was talked for a few days already that uh, Hamas will uh, uh, try to um, do some kind of, uh, you know, a step of, of, of maybe showing uh, seriousness. Um, but I, I find it hard to believe that it shows of any good intentions after what we have seen before. I think that um, they're playing a game here, which, you know, now we are very happy, of course, for the results. But I think uh, this is just a part of their plan. And uh, it doesn't show any, uh, it, it's not an evidence of seriousness or, or of them changing their approach. Absolutely. That was the first thing I thought, too. They're trying to, like, play a game or stall. Um, also, before um, Ed Cox has a question, but before we get uh, to Ed, you have some other big details right now about the other hostages that are being held, the ages of some of these. It's, what, uh, 203 plus. Um, can you share that with our audience, if you could, here? You asking me? Yeah. Yeah, yes, okay. yes, please. Um we don't know. You asked about their ages of the other hostages. Yes, yes, I understand. You yes. have some information about, uh, like, how old some of them are and and of of what um, age. We don't know uh, details of all of them, but we know that they they vary from from toddlers to uh, to um, old people that are over eighty five year old. Uh, you have all uh, different ages there. You have soldiers. You have uh, uh, people from the kibbutzim. You have among them. Uh, 14 American citizens, and um, and uh, it's really varies. You know, when you have two, 203 people, uh, it's a microcosmos of uh, pretty much everyone who were in Israel at that time. Yeah, and I was seeing 25 um, uh, that was sent to your office for me a little bit ago. 25 are children uh, below the age of 18. Uh, between 10 to 20 hostages are over the age of 60. Uh, a lot oh, yeah, of them yeah. with a huge medical issues, too. This is... It's so scary. Um, Ed Cox, you have a question for the spokesperson. Here's the question for Hamas. Uh, Amid the ecstasy of these two, who of the 200-plus hostages, these two coming back and talking about them, uh, have Hamas said that they retracted what they said, that, that they would kill hostages one by one over time, or have they have they left that on the table? Uh, no, they left that on the table. Uh, they did say at some point that uh, they will uh, release, uh, they will try to release the civilians that are um, um, foreign citizens. Um, there are a lot of foreign citizens there. Uh, just for your information, um, in Israel, it's very common to have dual citizenship. Um, so it's not um, surprising that there are a lot of foreign citizens over there. Yeah, what do you make of the fact that they're saying, uh, yeah, we are everybody, there was a statement, basically everybody but the Israelis were going to talk about. That's obviously, they're they're clearly uh, putting you guys in the crosshairs real quick, Ite. 
Yes, they are. They are playing a game here. They know that uh, the U.S. is uh, very much uh, involved in the situation, and they know that uh, they can play the public opinion in the U.S. And I, I, I can expect that they will uh, do it in other countries as well. Um, and they would do whatever they can to uh, to steal, to stall my time, and to uh, try to avoid. Um, the ground operation or any major operation. At the end of the day, um, they have their objectives. Their objective is to, uh, um, the, the big objective is, of course, to eliminate Israel, but uh, the short-term one is to release uh, their prisoners in Israel. Yep. Uh, and, and, um, and to get and... the international community to, um, to send uh, funds and resources to Gaza. Uh, so they're going to try to play whatever they have. Yeah, no question. Ite, thank you so much for joining us on this big breaking news day. We really appreciate it. And thank now you. Now let's go to Alan Dershowitz uh, to uh, get a report from him. Alan, how are you this uh, Friday afternoon? I'm doing good. Happy to see these two released, but it's only the beginning. Uh, Israel can't rest. The United States can't rest until all the hostages are released. Obviously, as your prior guest said, they're playing a game. They want to stall the invasion. Uh, they also want to affect American public opinion. Remember, they're doing tragically very well on college campuses today. Today, college campuses, one after the other, are having petitions, uh, statements, all saying, you know, that Hamas is right and Israel's wrong. And too many young, naive, stupid, bigoted students are supporting them. And now they're going to say, look, you know, we're humanitarian. We're releasing two Americans. Uh, you should support us. So, you know, they're playing a lot of games. They want their hostages out. They want a delay in the invasion, <clears throat> perhaps calling off the invasion. And they want to win public opinion in the United States. And, uh, Alan, uh, it started with Harvard. It started with uh, Columbia. Uh, where do they stand and where, what other schools are we having problems with that that these people are, are uh, actually uh, supporting Hamas? Almost every university in the United States has a problem. Some are more than others, but the major elite Ivy League universities, and we're fighting back, uh, donors to Harvard and to uh, other schools are saying, no, we're, we're, our, our uh, foundations don't allow us to contribute to uh, bigoted, anti-Semitic um, uh, universities. And unless there's a reckoning, a reckoning. Remember, George Floyd was killed. One man filled with drugs, previous criminal record, tragedy that he was killed. Terrible. But it caused a reckoning. It caused changes in admission standards, changes in curriculum, uh, committees, deans appointed. Unless there is a major reckoning. We've we got two questions here. We'll take yeah. the first one from Judge Weinberg and then we go to Governor Patterson. Alan, what do you what do you think of the fact that you have members of the United States Congress who are articulating pro Hamas statements, uh, carrying forth misinformation about who is responsible for the incident at the hospital? What should be done about that, Alan? Well, I think they should be kept off all the committees, and I think the Democratic Party has an obligation to truth. Um, you can't have people calling themselves Democrats and saying that uh, Israel bombed the hospital. Uh, we have people like that, but. Uh, if, if you had somebody in the Democrat or Republican Party who blamed rapes on the rape victims or blamed, um, you know, uh, shootings on the victims, they would be done. They would be tre dealt with 
as pariahs. And these people have to be dealt with as pariahs. But Democrats are afraid. They're afraid of losing votes. And I understand it because there's so much support for Hamas and for raping and for uh, killing and for kidnapping among the future leaders, the 18-year-olds who now vote. By the way, by the way, Professor Dershowitz, did you see this? This is just coming in that a New York Times reporter who uh, in 2018, yes, was praising Hitler in in a public post, has now been rehired by the New York Times to get this cover the Israel-Palestinian war. I mean, are are you kidding me? It's worse than that. They also, he covered also the hospital incident. Now, can you imagine a Klansman being hired by the New York Times? Can you imagine a homophobe being hired by... Look, let me tell you, the greatest villain in this hospital piece has been the New York Times. They have been Pravda. They have been the, the you know, the, the Soviet press. They will do anything to try to pin it on Israel. So first they had this terrible headline, you know, Israel bombs, Palestinians say. Then they had to understand they, were, they never apologized, they never retracted. And if you read all their op-eds today, every single one of their op-eds today, Goldberg and Leonard, all of them said, well, maybe it's possible, we're not sure, you know, Israelis lie about this. They cannot confront the public and say, we messed up. We probably caused lives to be taken all over the world and more to come because we told a lie and refused to retract the lie. Governor and, Patterson. Uh, Alan, if <clears throat> if we go back to Israel's independence in 1948 and then there was a war in 1956 and then the Six-Day War in 1967 and the Yom Kippur War in 1963, during that time, in this country, I thought there was some informed criticism of Israel that you might not agree with, but it was at least credible. Now yeah. you have this situation where the people who are demonstrating and marching, I wouldn't even know where they get their information from. And once you are going to ignore the manner in which the attack occurred on October 7th, in, in my opinion, you're as culpable as the people who performed it because yeah. they were crimes against humanity. No, I agree with you. We know where they get their information from. They get it from Hamas. Uh, the Times is willing to print a headline based on what Hamas tells them, even though we now know, for example, Hamas said over 500 people were killed in the hospital. It now seems, we don't know for sure, that perhaps the number was one-tenth of that. Tenth By the way, Alan, for the record, yeah. I yeah. could see the New York Times hiring a grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, sadly, I, I mean, could, too. Sadly, I could, too, based on you know, this record. You know, everybody should be called out to all these uh, universities, Columbia, Harvard, uh, and uh, and have the, uh, their, the billionaires pull out some of the money that they uh, committed. All to. of the money. I agree. All yeah. of the money, not some of it, all of the money. I will never contribute another penny to Harvard, to Yale, where I went, to Brooklyn College. Now, one of the worst defenders, Governor Patterson, is CUNY. The City University of New York has had some of the worst anti-Semitism. The worst institution of all is the Cooney Law School. And they've made their uh, reputation as a Jewish Harvard way yeah. back when. Ed Cox uh, well, says. Yeah, way back when it was. Um, but but uh, today it's very, very different. City University of New York has become the Der Sturma, the Nazi publication. Unbelievable. Of the, of the, of but the Alan, in the, in the past couple of weeks, I think City University and even Brooklyn College have had a lot of events supporting Israel. It surprised me to read that, but I read that a well, couple of days ago. 
No, they have. And, you know, there are a lot of students who do support Israel, but um, they also have the, 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 the administration itself has not done a good job. All right. And uh, the faculty of Cooney voted unanimously to boycott Israel. Horrible. Unanimously. Horrible. Crazy. Professor Dershowitz, thank you. Thank you so much, thank Professor you. Dershowitz. We'll talk to you soon. And, and let's take that break. And we're coming back with Larry Kudlow. What's going on with the economy? Mortgage rates are almost 8%. Uh, the market was down 300 points. Take a break. Come back with Larry Kudlow. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. Uh, we're back with Larry Kudlow, the country's leading economist, the number one show on, on Fox Business and the number one show on WABC on Saturdays uh, from 10 to 1. Larry, what's going on with the economy? Uh, uh, the mortgage rates are almost 8%. The stock market is down another 300 points today. What say you? Well, there wasn't a lot of economic stuff this week. I I will say this. Um, despite market rates going up, we're pretty close to a five-year, 10-year note. The Treasury, uh, the treasury uh, rates are going up. The Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, told us that the Fed is not going to raise their target rates, at least for a while, uh, inflation still running three and a half, four percent or higher, but they're going to sit on that for quite some time. Um, we haven't seen much out of oil. It's very interesting. The war story has not really affected the oil market yet, uh, and I think a lot of people are waiting to see. You know, the Middle East is blown up. What is going to happen? Uh, Israel looks like it's ready to invade. Whether that's going to impact financial markets. We will see uh, a little bumpy this week, but not bad. I mean, so far, there hasn't been a big story in the markets. So where do we go from here, Larry? Do, do people just wait and see? Yeah, you got to wait and see. I mean, look, I'm very concerned. You know, I, I want the United States to let the Israeli Defense Forces do what they have to do, John. I don't want interference. There's a lot of stories out. Bloomberg's running a story that the Biden administration is asking Israel to postpone the Gaza invasion. I mean, I, look, I wasn't thrilled about last night's speech. I don't know. I haven't heard what you thought or what others are thinking. I mean, there's no moral equivalence between Ukraine and Israel. You know, I don't like, look, Ukraine is about statehood and sovereignty. And um, Putin's a thug and I don't like him. And I totally opposed to what he's done to Ukraine. But Putin wants to take over Ukraine. Hamas and Iran behind it want to destroy Israel. I mean, they're just not the same. And uh, Iran was only mentioned twice in the entire speech. He says, we'll hold them accountability. Well, they never, they've never held them accountable. That's the whole problem. Uh, you cannot appease Iran, and that's what they've done. So I'm just concerned that they'll be meddling. Mike Pompeo was on our show tonight, and he expressed the same concern. The United States got to let Israel do what Israel's going to do. Uh, it's going to be bloody, but you have to destroy Hamas because Hamas and Iran want to destroy Israel. This is about Israel's right to exist. The Ukraine story uh, is, is not about Ukraine's right to exist. It's a sovereignty story. It's a statehood story. They're completely different. And I was not ha I mean, look, Biden deserves credit for backing Israel. Absolutely. 
uh, and to, you know, provide them with defense uh, appropriations and a supplemental funding bill. Absolutely. But the rest of the story isn't, you know, 32 Americans have died. At least a dozen Americans are being held hostage. Where's the Biden uproar about that? What would Ronald Reagan have said about the about that. Are we at war with Hamas and Iran? I don't know. What would Donald Trump have said about that? The world was a much safer place when Trump was president. Right now, everything's up for grabs. And so in terms of the financial markets, John, yes, we will have to wait and see, you know, and and hope that nothing awful happens. Um, But I'm I'm on edge. I'm definitely on edge. I think everybody's on edge about this story. So so, I have a question. uh, Tell us, Larry, is the is the bond market doing the job of the Fed in that the bond market, probably because of two trillion dollar a year deficit, uh, the Japanese aren't buying, China's not buying, the Fed actually is selling with the QT uh, right. and the interest rates keep going long term, keeps going up and up and up. Are are the bond vigilantes active again? And are they are they, in fact, doing the job of the Fed by raising interest rates? I don't think so, but um, I know I've seen that story retailed around. Uh, the Fed has tightened its balance sheet, yes. So the Treasury is selling a lot of paper, and the Fed's not buying a lot of paper. But um, I think usually when rates go up, it's inflation concerns. Now, you know, I've got to say this. Uh, you heard it first here if you don't already follow it. The Atlanta Fed GDP tracker which has a very decent record. They just evaluate all the numbers that come out, and then they package it into a GDP forecast. They're looking for 5% growth in the third quarter that ended uh, in September. That number will come out uh, next week. 5% growth. Wow. So wow. If the, yeah, I know. Larry Kudlow, what are you going to be talking about tomorrow at 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock on WABCradio.com <laughs> worldwide? We're going to talk about the war. We're going to talk about Israel. We will talk about the Fed. We will talk about interest rates. And mostly we will talk. <laughs> well, you got Larry Kudlow live on, on Saturday morning from 10 to 1. And all the updated stories Larry has. I'll be listening tomorrow, Larry. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, John. Thank you. Uh, let's take uh, – well, before we take a break, uh, Eric Schuffler is calling in on an update on what's going on in Staten Island. Give me your uh, Eric Schuffler. It's Halloween. We're only two weeks away. And with us today is Eric Schuffler, and uh, he's the president of uh, Entertainment Centers uh, down in Staten Island where the Fairy Hawks play – uh, tell us what's going on for Halloween at the uh, enter- our entertainment center. John, there's so much going on. Remember, our entertainment center right next to the Staten Island Ferry looks out on Lower Manhattan, one of the best views to spend an afternoon or an evening anywhere in the country. We have a haunted house going on at the stadium, a haunted house at a baseball stadium running through the concourse. It's an hour of terror and frights, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 7 to 11 p.m. all weekend. Wow, and uh, <laughs> you also have a pumpkin patch or something? We have a pumpkin patch. You can come into the outfield. We have a huge pumpkin patch laid out, bouncy castles, bouncy slides. We have a vehicle that the kids can go on and ride around the stadium on the outfield, turf on the infield. We've had hundreds of kids there every day looking out on that great view, easy access, easy parking right next to the stadium, haunted house at night, 
Pumpkin Patch and Bouncy Castle during the day, open all weekend. Well, that sounds pretty good. And this is Ferry Hawk Stadium. And uh, tell us, uh, you can get there by the Staten Island Ferry. And it, it's on the other side of uh, the, the stadium. And you can walk right in. And, and the Staten Island Ferry is what's the price? Uh, it's free. The best type of price. It's That's giant. a good price. It is free. We have easy parking right next door. We have a great Staten Island University Hospital Community Park, home of the Ferry Hawks, best view, easy parking, ferry access, part of the ride. It's year-round entertainment. Thank you, Eric Schuffler, and uh, I look forward. I'm taking my daughter on. Uh, <laughs> to, to, uh, she wants to go to see the haunted house. Be ready. Take care. Have a great weekend. Fantastic. And also fantastic news. We're going to have some big developments about two Americans released from Hamas and a lot more after the break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Of course, huge news today that two Americans, a mother and daughter from the Chicago area, have been released by Hamas. Uh, they are now in Israeli hands. Uh, this is great news. But what about the rest of them? And maybe what was going on behind the scenes? Well, joining us is one of the great intel experts I know out there, one of the greatest guys, former chairman of the House Intel Committee, also former ambassador for the United States to Netherlands, my friend Pete Huckstra. And uh, Mr. Chairman, so great to have you here. I, I know you don't know, obviously, all the details, but you certainly know intel, Pete. Um, your thoughts about why these two were released, this mother and daughter. And I, I, I thought about immediately President Biden last night, uh, and he said this in the last 24 hours, we've been hearing it from the White House, that they were giving $100 million uh, for, quote, humanitarian purposes in Gaza. Uh, what do you think was behind this release? Well, I think it's a strategic move by Hamas and by Iran. Uh, to buy themselves some time to change the narrative, saying, hey, we're not that bad. We're releasing two Americans. Uh, you know, uh, you can work with us. You can negotiate with us. Uh, in reality, that's a bold-faced lie. You know, there's probably still uh, close to 200 hostages uh, in Gaza uh, that we're not talking about. This was to buy themselves time and to change the public narrative. Any sense of why you think it was a, this mother-daughter? I mean, I know you don't know, but it, it's interesting. They, it, it turns out they're also related uh, to Martin Fletcher, who I know at NBC. Martin and I used to work together. I didn't realize that he's related to them. Is there any, maybe because of the high-profile nature of these two, or mother-daughter? What do you think? I think uh, the symbolism of a mom and a daughter, uh, you know, from Chicago is a... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good publicity stunt. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it stalls America. America publicity uh, goes out, and uh, they're going to make every newspaper in America that uh, they release to Americans. Yeah, and also, you know what I wonder, John, and Pete, too, is that now will will this also send a message, hey, Israel, wait, uh, because we have more of yours. Maybe there's some other negotiating. Clearly, as you know, this is a game by Hamas. But what does this do to Israel, too, also? It puts them in a hard, uh, puts them in a very difficult spot. You know, two Americans released. The narrative here is you can negotiate with Hamas. So Israel, you know, it's time, you know, what uh, Tlaib and others are calling for. Uh, it's time for a ceasefire and have a negotiated settlement. 
And we have Ed Cox And a spokesperson here. for the Israeli government just told us that they have not taken off the table the fact that they might kill the hostages one by one. So it's <laughs> – which where are they? Yeah, the uh, – you know, I think the, the possibility – I've always been fairly negative on what may happen to the hostages. <clears throat> I think this is, this is one great small step, uh, but I'm still extremely concerned about uh, the other 200 that are still there especially those that uh, are Israelis. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, we are talking to Pete Huckstra, uh, the former chairman of the House Intel Committee, also former U.S. ambassador to the Netherlands. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you've got a question. Mr. Chairman, I want to ask you about the article you just wrote for Gatestone, in which you're talking about the intelligence failures of the United States intelligence establishment. Would you tell our listeners why this is so important and what can be done about it? Yeah, I think our political, uh, you know, our political intelligence community uh, is not doing its job. Obviously, when you've got two million people in Gaza, a small little physical area, and the intelligence communities of Israel and the United States can't pick up that there's a major imminent attack, there's only one way to describe it. That's an intelligence failure by our by our two intelligence communities. Why? What's the root problem here in the United States? Our intelligence community has become way too politicized. Think at the at the end of the Trump administration, what were they doing? They were meeting with social media companies in America before the election to do what? To tell them what was disinformation in America. I'm sorry, that's not the job of our intelligence community. Theirs is to keep their eye on the ball, which are threats to America internationally, and not to try to influence uh, an election, a presidential election here in the United States. They become too political. What happens when you become too political? Rather than the intelligence community saying truth to power, the intelligence community telling the presidents what's real, in this case, what they're doing is I think they're feeding intelligence to President Biden, that fits his narrative, which is what? Iran is not a threat. Hamas is not a threat. Uh, They're providing a narrative that bolsters uh, an agenda now that puts America at risk. That's exactly what happened here. That is so scary. Pete, uh, thank you so much for joining us. you got to come back on again soon, my friend. Really wonderful to have you here. Always good to be with you, Rita. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, and, let's go to Eric Levine right now. A judge, would you like to introduce Eric Levine? And we got a blockbuster topic. All right, this is Eric Levine. Uh, we're talking to now a distinguished lawyer, political commentator, and essayist. Eric, I want to talk to you about Jack Lew, who's been nominated by the Biden administration to be ambassador to Israel, and why, in your view, and the view of a lot of United States senators, this is the wrong man at the wrong time, and it's, this is dangerous. Yeah, it would be an unmitigated disaster. I mean, let's remember the single greatest contributing factor to Hamas invasion of Israel, the attack in Israel, is the Iran nuclear deal. Iran in 2015 was uh, was in an economic dire straits, and what the JCPOA did was to give 150 billion dollars to Iran to fund its nuclear program, to fund its ballistic missile program, and most importantly, to fund its terrorist proxy wars throughout the region. Hamas is a descendant. Hamas is the cat's paw. Of Iran. Iran funds them, Iran trains them, Iran arms them. And Jack Lew was part of the Obama Kerry Biden cabal lying to the United States, the Congress, the American people, 
and the Israelis about what, what the JCPOA was about. You know what, Eric, it is disgusting. When I saw Jack Lew, I knew the name. He is the architect, as you said just now, of the Obama deal where they gave over those pallets of cash in the middle of the night. And you're telling me right now this is the guy who they are putting up? If I'm Israel, I'm going to go, are you kidding me? This is not going to be someone who's going to be helping Israel. He seems to be coddling Iran. Kerry was the architect of this. Let's let's put blame where blame is due. John Kerry. But what but Jack Lou did was he was willingly he willingly went out and lied about it. He went out. He made a speech in Jerusalem in 2015 and told the Israelis this blocks all paths to nuclear weapon. That was a lie. It was illegal. It legalized the path to a nuclear weapon. It legalized the path to a ballistic missile system. It said that we are anytime anywhere inspections. That was a lie. He knew that military facilities were off limits to inspectors. So that's where the Iranians worked on their nuclear their nuclear facilities. And with that $150 billion and with the hundreds of millions of dollars that in, ca- in cash that showed up on trays in exchange for hostages, the Iranian economy was saved and their military was saved and the RRGC was put into hyperdrive. But what does Joe Biden do? When Donald Trump uh, finished his administration with the maximum pressure policy, the Iranian economy was suffering once again. And you could tell, intelligence was telling us, Hamas was being defunded, Hezbollah was being defunded, and their efforts in Syria were being defunded. As soon as Biden got in, got it, became president, they, lift, they stopped enforcing oil sanctions, and then they negotiated to give $6 billion, $6 billion to the Iranians. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know about you, but when I, when I see Jack Kirby, John Kirby, my head explodes, because this is a guy, he goes out there and says... Six billion dollars, that's not fungible. Well, now we know why the economy is in such a terrible state. They don't even know what fungibility means. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, I am so glad that you were on this. Will you keep us posted? Because most Americans, I don't think, realize uh, what is going on right here. I'm sure the Israelis are well aware. Uh, but this is such an important topic, and we love you here on Cats and Cosby. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Let's take a break right now, and we're going to come back with Curtis Want to find out what's going on in the streets of New York. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Lots of stuff happening on the streets and also with the migrants. And joining us now for the very latest, Curtis, uh, you have some big updates. Oh, yeah. Boy, have these uh, migrants... Asylum seekers, or as I call them, illegal aliens, learn the scam of Americans. So they're supposed to only be able to stay in a hotel that we pay for for 60 days. And then they have to go out on their own means. This is the new rules and regulations of the Adams administration. They're all now reporting that they have backaches as if they were applying for workman's compensation, like a lot of gold brick Americans do when they're trying to scam the system. As a result of that, They can't be told to leave. So they can't get out of bed. They're hobbling around at the Roosevelt Hotel. Oh, I need a chiropractor. Now we're going to be paying for medical treatments for these gold bricks. I thought they were here to work. I thought Eric Adams said they're here to work to get a job. Only 1,500 have actually signed up to get workers' papers out of close to 126,000 who have been processed here. When you give them welfare and give them everything for free, how are you going to get them to go out and get a job now? 
They know they can milk the system like Americans do, who've been here four, five, six generations. So, uh, Curtis Lee, what's the reaction um, from our officials? Because you're right, they were putting it all out saying, oh, gosh, they really want to work. They really want to do this. Obviously, the evidence is showing otherwise. They put it, they put it out there on a silver platter and even said, Curtis, and you know this, even said, we're going to expedite you, put you to the front of the line before Americans. And you're saying 1,500 out of 110,000. Uh, that's not very good odds. No, no, that just means they know they got a good thing going. You get paid, right? Basically, we're paying to house them in a three star hotel. They get three squares, culturally appropriate food. They get an iPhone or a smartphone. They get health care. Uh, they get free transportation. They get Metro cards. So why would they need to go out and get a job? They just lay up in the hotel, and then they can always get a side hustle on the side because how do they afford these motorbikes and Vespas and e-bikes? Very nice ones, by the way. I was talking to a couple the other day. You know, yo puedo hablar espanol. So I was sitting there talking with them. They're like, yeah, the brand new ones. We got these. Where are they getting them from? Well, they're going to the 2,000 illegal weed shops. By the by, the way, that's the fastest growing business in New York City. Any empty mortar and brick store gets turned into a smoke shop, a.k.a. illegal weed by shop. By the way, for the record, I'm going to start doing weed if you if the mortgage rates go <laughs> higher. But go ahead anyway, Curtis. <laughs> so, so the Venezuelans, who are good hustlers. Remember, Venezuela was the top capitalistic country in South America before uh, Hugo Chavez came in and then replaced by Maduro. So they're hustlers. So they go into the weed shops and they say, hey, amigo, I tell you what, if you could do layaway for me on a Vespa or a motorbike, I'll deliver weed for you. Then they go to the next guy and they say, we just we have basically an understanding handshake agreement. We're delivering for that guy on the corner. You need delivery. It's sort of like Grubhub for weed. They have learned again to hustle this system. And there are 2000 illegal weed shops that are killing the 10 that are licensed and legally able to sell cannabis here in New York City. 2,000. 2,000. John, every empty storefront, and you know there are so many in the five boroughs, uh, is being made available like landlords on a month-to-month basis, cash. Cash is king. Uh, So if you want to buy any kind of weed illegally, you go to a smoke shop, you buy it, and there is no consequences whatsoever. You don't get arrested. Maybe they confiscate your weed. I always ask the sheriffs, hey, by the way, where do you take the, all the product, all the uh, cannabis? It's none of your BIB business. I'd like to know where the warehouse is, that you're not just taking it out of the trunk of your car and then basically selling it to another weed shop. What, by the way, I have a quick question, Chris. Can we just have like 30 seconds or so left? But what's going on? Uh, it's getting cold outside. I mean, temperature is coming. I had a coat on today. Where are they going to put these people that are in the tents? Uh, back to the migrant story. Rita, it's time for you to make some room in your apartment. <laughs> Adopt a migrant today. Come on, husband-in-law David Patterson, do your part. Tell my oldest son, Anthony, he's got to share the rack with one of them. Come on, Chairman Cox. Everybody uh, needs to adopt a migrant. Didn't Looking Eric forward to that say conversation. That? <laughs> yes, he did. But actually, Rita, nobody took him up on that. I wonder David why. David Patterson, yeah, I wonder why. Extra rooms. <laughs> Come on, David, do your part. What? I'm, I'm sure we'll do as the best we can. <laughs> That's a very political Thank you. answer. Thank you, Curtis, for the update. Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> I will be listening to you all weekend. You're on uh, uh, tonight, midnight to 6 a.m., and on Sunday night, uh, 
Saturday night, midnight to 6 a.m.? Don't sleep. break of dawn. And don't nobody sleep. better go to sleep. Nobody better go to sleep on me. We're not going to go to sleep. <laughs> and I understand we got some breaking news, John, uh, that Nicole Maligatakis is about to, in. Well, she's got some breaking news. Uh, she's about to get on a train in Washington. But uh, let's go to Nicole. Breaking news. WABC. Well, with us today is uh, Nicole Matakis, and uh, let's get an update of what the heck is going on in Washington, where there's a lot of confusion. Uh, Nicole, Congresswoman Nicole Matakis, what's going on? So, John, obviously uh, we have problems here in Washington because 200 and, uh, over 200 Democrats chose to side with eight Republicans to remove Speaker McCarthy, and since that time, we've been unable to unify behind a new speaker. Uh, today, sadly, uh, Jim Jordan uh, decided he wasn't going to proceed after we had a closed-door meeting. Uh, and now we go back to the drawing board. And so the latest information is that we're going to come back together on Monday. We're going to have a new candidates forum. There's a whole slew of candidates now that are emerging that are interested in doing the job. Uh, and there, a lot of them are fresh faces, not the common names that people may know. And so we're going to have that candidates forum, and we're going to have to uh, ha- have another election. But what I would just say is Republicans need to unify at this moment. I mean, there are so many challenges that are facing our country. We see our great ally Israel is at war. Hostages, American hostages are being held by Hamas. We have government funding expiring uh, in less than 30 days. We need to come together. So I'm imploring my colleagues that, look, this is it. We need to uh, support whoever emerges from that conference next week. Understood. So uh, there's no voting. You're going home for the weekend on Friday, and uh, there's nothing going on till next week. Yeah, and I, a lot of us urged. Uh, we wanted to stay. We wanted to stay and figure this out. Um, it, we think it's important, but uh, the the Speaker Pro Temp felt that we needed to give some time for new candidates to put their name in, to put together a presentation, uh, to put together what their plan will be to move forward, and not to, not to have it rushed. Uh, look, I, 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 I'm very disappointed, and, I, and I'll be honest, John. I mean, look, Speaker McCarthy should never have been removed, and certainly not removed without even having a plan. So this was very irresponsible by the Democrats and the eight Republicans led by Gates who did this. Uh, then Steve Scalise, many of us said if he came out as the top vote-getter, we would support him, and uh, we were going to support him on the floor. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he decided not to take it to the floor, and he recognized he didn't have the vote. Jim Jordan, who was my first uh, choice after uh, McCarthy left, then then emerged and said he'll take it to the floor and hoped he could rally together everyone, uh, and he failed to do so. So uh, we've already eliminated now three of our top contenders, uh, people who I think would have been very good at the job. Uh, but the bottom line here is we have a package that's coming to aid Israel from the president. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, uh, pass the remaining appropriation bills, and use our leverage to negotiate with the Senate in the White House. So we've got to get this done uh, by Tuesday. Time is of the essence, uh, and that's and that's what we'll be doing. And we'll be talking with the candidates over the weekend and hearing what they have to offer, uh, and then finally making the decision. But look, we got to go in that room agreeing that whoever emerges at the, as the top vote getter, we will get behind. Nicole Mayutakis, Congresswoman, thank you so much for the update, and we'll catch up again real soon. When you know, text me. And we'll put you on in breaking news. Great. Thanks a lot, John. Bye-bye.
All right. Wow. Here she is uh, she's calling. On, she's on the train. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the hot stuff. And you just heard going home. By the way, we need leadership right now. I didn't hear leadership last night I was from very, President Biden. I was very disappointed in President Biden's speech. He didn't call out Iran. He didn't warn Hezbollah not to escalate on, on the north. It looked like he was sa- selling a package where he give more money, which won't know where that money is going, so-called, to the people in uh, Gaza. Gaza. Yeah, right. But, you know, but Hamas controls all that flow of supplies and money. It's ridiculous. It was a bad speech, and he didn't do what he had to do. You know that what is- I found, Ed, too? He even said, I, this was astounding last night. He said, we will continue to hold Iran accountable. Uh, who is he talking to? You think he's held Iran accountable? He hasn't even mentioned it to date. Incredible. Yeah, when he, when he said the he, it was passing master. references. They passing. are the puppet masters in the Mideast of uh, Hamas, of Hezbollah, of uh, the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, the the uh, the Shia Crescent. Yeah, the Shia Crescent. What a mess. By the way, I am happy, at least, obviously, these two Americans released. We hope we get them and all those hostages home. Let's pray for that, of course, everybody. Well, thank you all for listening. And uh, it's going to be a weekend that uh, we're not going to forget. I'm sure something is going to happen one way or another. Yeah, so much stuff happening. And, of course, anything. Stay tuned, of course. Uh, stay tuned. We have breaking news all the time. All and, the time. Uh, WABC will tell you what nobody else is telling you the truth. Absolutely. And, and John, what do we all stand for, guys? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America.